We'll proceed in our our preaching uh, through this very valuable, <clears throat> very very important foundational book of the scriptures in the New Testament, Matthew twenty. And our text will be the first sixteen verses, Matthew twenty verses one through sixteen. Let me read along for you. Hear now the word of our God. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After, after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owners of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those who hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving, uh, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Uh, Take what belongs to you and go. Uh, I choose to give it uh, to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? And so the last will be first, and the first last. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken you speak to us the mysteries of your kingdom, uh, mysteries that have been hidden uh, for ages, but now are revealed to the sons of God in your gospel, in your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. We pray that, Lord, we would be beneficiaries of all mysteries, that our mind would grow up into a, a, a full discipleship in adulthood, maturity in Christ. Help us to comprehend even difficult things, and we know that we have your word and spirit as resources to that end. But bless the preaching and bless the hearing, and Lord, by your good help, we will avail. So hear us, Lord, and be worshipped through Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. And one of the things we have in the world today that uh, more than ever uh, than we had before COVID is the, uh, the ability of people to choose where they want to live. Many people are giving a lot of thought as to 
well, uh, you know, we live in a very decent place, but is it the very best place? Of course, the world uh, sometimes comes to America out of, out of necessity. And they, they come into America in great numbers. But there are Americans that are thinking, well, perhaps there are better places that we might live. Uh, and uh, there are very many countries in the world. Some may be thinking to move, for instance, to Europe, perhaps Switzerland. Uh, some uh, may love uh, New Zealand. New Zealand has a lot of attraction for many, many reasons. The language and the climate, the resources. Uh, but uh, just because we, uh, as Americans, are used to our liberties, being able to move about as we like, and to live as we like, and to choose our place of living, does not mean that if we decide to move to Switzerland, or if we want to move to New Zealand, that they will, they will receive us. Uh, Switzerland is a sovereign country, and so is New Zealand, and uh, they can admit or not admit any that they like, and that's the property of a sovereign state. Now, when it comes to <laughs> the kingdom of heaven, a lot of us who take our American liberties and enjoy them as we should, they were, they were fought hard for, they were, they, they, the cost of that, of our liberty, is, is much anguish and, and, and war and bloodshed, much perseverance and prayer. Nevertheless, some, some liberties do not extend into other places. And we certainly no, do not understand that by our liberties, we can simply join the, the kingdom of heaven as we want. And that has been the whole subject here going into chapter 20. Are children parts of this? Uh, uh, beholders, are they, are they really citizens of this kingdom of heaven? Jesus says yes. It is a, a very prominent young ruler who has great means and uh, what seems to be great, great piety, attending to the Lord's ordinances and commandments since he was young. Uh, must he necessarily be invited in? No. What, what is going on? And what's the key to uh, entering into the kingdom of heaven? And so in, in great part, this difficult, this difficult parable that seems to have a little bit of uh, inequity in it, not, not sin, but uh, inequality or lack of equity in it, how is it that somebody might not receive better wages uh, if, he, if merit, if merit uh, uh, speaks in his favor uh, than, than another one? Uh, but we have to look at this in terms of what Jesus is saying. And I'm going to back up and give a little bit of a context very quickly so you can see how the previous discussion in Matthew, the, the, the near passages in, in uh, Matthew 18 and 19, enter into this chapter as a sort of a context. And I'll do so very quickly. Here's, here's the context. And two very important words here in the Greek, and they translate nicely into the, into the English. The Greek word is gar. And they introduce, uh, and it's translated for, F-O-R, for. For introduces this passage here uh, in chapter 20, the first word in the first sentence. It introduces this passage as an explanation. It's an explanation of the previous chapter, but it's done not in 
constructs or in propositional form, but in a parable. And this is said to be probably the second most difficult parable in the New Testament, and I can see where it would be really only partially believed by many Christians who do not believe in the sovereignty of God over all things, even in election. Now, I, I, you know, I am not one to plug in, and I suggest some business to plug in any formally or any formulas of the Reformed faith artificially. But honestly, I can't, there's just no way to navigate this parable without having an understanding that the Lord, He is God and He calls. And so the difficulty is less for us who have come to confess that we are Christian only by the grace of God and by His call in our lives. Now the chapter break here from the verses 19, from chapter 19 to chapter 20 is a little bit unfortunate. I say that it has its conveniences, of course. We don't want overly long chapters in the Bible, but the chapter break is man-made, not necessarily inspired, uh, and it, it obstructs our seeing the flow of thought into going into this chapter. Um, and so what I say here is, however this parable is to be understood and explained and preached and applied, it must agree with its own stated summary that is given to us in verse 16, uh, and also uh, the dual there's a dual purpose following not just the, the summary statement, which in verse 16 is that the last will be first and the first will be last, but it also should explain and help uh, justify the use of this word gar or for. The explanation is it must suit this. Uh, it must conform to an answer uh, to this, just so the last shall be first and the first shall be last, and for many shall be called, but few chosen. And, and that, if we answer that question, we know that we're not, we're not far from understanding what the Holy Spirit is saying uh, through the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Now, themes here brought about forward from the previous chapter. Just take a look at the, the word for in its continuity. The themes brought forward from the previous chapter 18 include the following. Persevering in the kingdom of heaven including trials of sin and being restored through um, of our offenses, through being forgiven and challenged and through reconciliation. Uh, that, 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 is, that is brought forward because uh, while we may be in the kingdom, uh, covenanted, uh, remaining in there is difficult. And so it begs the question, well, then who is in? Because uh, there are difficulties. Uh, again, I mentioned that uh, another idea that children are true partakers of the kingdom of heaven. And so this will answer uh, uh, that, that teaching from, from, from the 19th, 18th, and 19th chapters. The rich young man, although very pious uh, and in covenant with the Lord externally, he knew he did not enter. He knew he had not. He was missing something. And uh, it's not a matter of merely assurance. Uh, it's just that he didn't have the foundation of hope. Uh, a Christian may have a good foundation of hope in the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He who believes that has eternal life. He may not have assurance, but that's not the case of the rich young man. He just didn't have the foundation supporting him, except for the covenant of works, which is a failed foundation. The theme of rewards is brought forth. Treasure in heaven to the rich young man. <laughs> yeah, Leave your possessions here. Give to the poor liberally. Come now, follow me, and then you'll have great reward. Thrones were promised to Jesus' own disciples. 
Now you've left all. And uh, now in this age, you'll have many brothers, and in the age to come, you'll receive 100%, a uh, 100 times uh, recompense, not 100%, 100 times recompense here on earth and then in the end eternal life. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 16 is then repeated uh, from Matthew 18, verse 30. Many who are first will be last and last first. And therefore, Matthew 21, in this passage, excuse me, Matthew 20, 1 through 16, further explains, further explains how men enter the kingdom. Especially with this thought, given the difficulty of coming in and given, given the, the the, dif- the difficulty of all the constraints governing life within the kingdom, it can only be said that this is possible because God is in it. With God, all things are possible. With man, no certain hope. With God, all things are possible. Now, I, I'm giving you great hints as to how I'm going to approach this. Because the teaching here says this, that God freely calls whomsoever he chooses into his kingdom whenever he chooses to do so, and bestows on them whatever results, whatever rewards he deems right. Now that, that's very much how this outline is going to go. The teaching again of Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. God freely calls whomsoever he chooses into his kingdom, whenever he chooses to do so, and bestows on them whatever, re, uh, whatever rewards he deems Right. The first point of the sermon. God sovereignly and effectually. Uh, that is to say, the call has an effect, and it's a true and right effect. Um, God sovereignly and effectually calls his chosen ones to work in his vineyard. And that's the parable. It's not a matter of, hey, who's going to be saved? Okay, let's get, that, let's get down to the imagery of, of, this, of this vineyard that is in possession of a master, and uh, he's, he's got uh, work to be done there, and there are privileges, and there are wages. And, and that's, that's the nature of the parable. It's going to explain something of the mystery of the kingdom. God sovereignly and effectually calls his chosen ones to work in his vineyard. This answers to whomever, whomever he chooses, he calls into his kingdom at any time within the gospel age. And the gospel age in the scripture is called the day, the day of salvation. It can be during Christ's lifetime. It can be uh, during apostolic times where they're given the Great Commission and they go out and they are uh, preaching the gospel of Christ, remission of sins, repentance unto life. And uh, continuing after the apostolic times and through the apostolic times throughout the New Testament church age until the very last day, until the very last day, this is the day that is spoken of here in this parable. It is a day that all men may be saved. It is the day where all men will gain entrance and have employment in, and rewards in the kingdom. Now, my friends, uh, there really is no boasting of when we became a, Christ, uh, a Christian. Suppose one of us became a Christian uh, 20 years before another. Um, there, this is not of your will. This is not of, of the ones who run or, or, those who, or, or, or those who will in the flesh, but of God who has mercy. Uh, and we must remember here in this parable already, make application, there really are no insignificant believers. There's no caste system of believers, even though 
Jesus had his favorite in the flesh. That is not to say that the kingdom of heaven necessarily has uh, this ranking. Um, God sovereignly effectually calls his chosen ones at any time in any person's life. You may be very young, uh, and, uh, or you may be extremely old. You may be in your deathbed. Uh, that is not, you're not advised to put off faith and repentance at any time. For today is the day of salvation. And nevertheless, the Holy Spirit does regenerate all ages under all conditions, rich, poor, uh, instructed, non-instructed, religious, unreligious, under all conditions. Sick people are called into the kingdom. Healthy people are called into the kingdom. People with great honors of, of training and schooling, or even those who have no school and are really without even an alphabet. Honorable men and dishonorable or un, unhonorable. All are common sinners before God. All are debtors to God's sovereign mercy. And this is the flavor of this parable, is that we're, we are the creature and God is the creator. And it is up to his voice to bring into existence something new that wasn't there before. God spoke and he brought light from the darkness. And God speaks and we are regenerate by the word of his power through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have union with him in his death through faith in Jesus, and we have union with him in his resurrection and in his ascension. And that's, my friend, how we are incorporated in the kingdom of God, because where Jesus is, that's where his kingdom is. And if we have union with him in the spirit, then we're in his kingdom. All right. I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is part of the flavor, if not the, if not the, the precise teaching of the parable. It's there on the sidelines for us. Now, God is sovereign, as we say. He calls some into the kingdom, and, uh, but some he passes by. Uh, and we don't know, ultimately, uh, if someone has passed by uh, for 20 years, if the Lord might visit him in the 21st year of his life. We, we just don't know these things. Because it's God uh, who calls. So you, don't, you need not despair if you're here and you don't sense the Lord calling you and drawing you to himself. You, you know in your heart that you have an interest in following Jesus completely. I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you, I'm not calling you to a historic faith that you believe some, uh, some things about the Lord Jesus or you, you believe some things about heaven or you believe that sinners are saved? No, I'm asking. Uh, the, 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 the matter is, are you, are, have you an invitation to his vineyard? Have you sensed him drawing you to work on his behalf? But you, even if you hear that, and you, you seem not to be getting anywhere with it, you are not to despair, uh, because you are to wait on the Lord. And uh, that is a very humbling exercise. Uh, but uh, humility has never hurt any creature, especially a sinner. And so you wait on the Lord, and you wait for his gospel call to give you grace to believe out of sincerity, out of a heart of love, and uh, truly despising your sin, leaving it behind, and following God in his ways. Now, this call comes to some within the covenant of grace. Uh, this is a feature 
and a very important mark in the Gospel of Matthew. The people there that we see in the context of the Gospel of Matthew, Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, we see all manner of people, some godly, some ungodly, some very needy, some not, but they're all under the covenant of grace. They, they are circumcised. They, to them belong the promises of Abraham. They are a distinct people in the world. And yet, within that visible uh, community, not all hear the call to the vineyard. And not all succeed in going into the vineyard. And then some that seem to be in the vineyard don't really understand that it's all of grace and begin to bicker about wages and all that. From within the covenant of grace, we see people entering as circumcised Hebrew, Hebrew, the Hebrews, the sons of Israel. The disciples enter. Nicodemus uh, was a, a, a very prominent man and a part of the council, and yet uh, he was called, even from a position of privilege, and saw the goodness and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Although at first he had, uh, you know, as we all do, very serious questions of the Lord. So he calls some from within the, the visible expressed covenant of grace. His church, we who are Reformed use that word to the Old Testament people. It means the same thing, the called out ones. And he also calls them from without the, com the covenant community of grace. Some have left the synagogue and are no longer considered good Hebrews, good Jews, and because they are apostate, they have lapsed, and their behavior uh, shows forth that. They have become uh, perverse, indulging in, in sensuality and all manner of excess, uh, and, and they become liars and thieves and all manner of sinners. But especially in the view of, of the coming commission, this applies to the Gentile, the nations, all around Israel. These will also be called, even though they are apart from the covenant as it is then administered in the time of Jesus' day. What we're saying here, my friend, is that God sovereignly and effectually calls his chosen ones, and it's his call, and those who come will work in his vineyard. My friends, today is the day of salvation. And it will be, remain the day of salvation until the Lord returns. He will not return until all that are marked for salvation according to his uh, decree at the foundation of the world. And so, my, my friend, if you hear the Lord's voice, you are not to stiffen your heart. You are not to rebel. You are being commanded to believe. And you are being commanded Enter the vineyard. Come. I have work for you. You'll have your wages. Follow Christ into his vineyard. If you see his glory, you will do so. If you don't see the advantage of that, of course you will not. No one does anything uh, to prejudice his advantage. We only do the things that we think are going to result in good for us. And you Christians are here because you understand that being here is good for you and that following Christ certainly certainly is to be pleasing to God and will have its, its benefits. Uh, I said before, it's not to him who wills or him who runs, but of God who has mercy and calls 
and calls. He calls us in the gospel, especially in the proclamation uh, and the preaching of the word. But you are very wise to seek God within his covenanted community, within the circle where the promises of God and the signs and seals of his authority are present. Now, a lot of people don't understand this. They, they don't understand that the church is the ground and pillar of the truth. And if we are to make progress in this world, we must come to the place most likely that we will see God act because he has committed himself to this place as a priority out of love for his bride, out of, out of love for his covenanted people. It is to the Jews first that God sent his son because they were the church of that day. And so they had the privilege and they had uh, the unique advantage and uh, close, close shepherding of God. So you are most wise to seek God in his church. And God may open your eyes anywhere, but he is very likely to give you something here that will open your eyes and open your hearts and see the, to, to see the glory of Christ, to see the glory of his kingdom. And having seen it, you won't need a minister to propel you, to thrust you into the kingdom. Having seen the Lord in his splendor and the, 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 the most gracious call, his loving voice, you, my friend, uh, will find it irresistible and you will not need anyone uh, to coax you along. And so you need to be praying. You that have not seen the glory of his kingdom, that are not sure of your foundations, you need to pray that the Lord make this very, very plain to you. But pray for the grace of the gospel, mercy in Christ. Now, as we celebrate today, baptism is, is the entry right into the visible church. And it may or may not correspond at that time with entrance into the kingdom of heaven. You must be effectually called. You must be born again of the Spirit. This is up to God alone and no minister. Uh, I am, I, no, there is no minister that is into, in, an intermediary here. We are not priests in that sense. We are, and we do not have a sacerdotal system of theology. We are evangelicals. And we give God the glory in that when the gospel goes out, that word will not return to him void. Despite uh, the, uh, the corruption of every minister, every, every, uh, every Jew, and that's what Isaiah 55 said, my word will succeed in that which goes out. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish all for which it was sent. You must be effectually called, and that's why we insist. If a person can't express his love for Christ, if, if he can't distinguish between that invisible kingdom that is seen by faith and the world that is seen by carnal eyes, then he must not come to the Lord's communion table because this is a communion in the Lord which we enjoy only in the Holy Spirit as vital members of his spiritual body. I'll just say from this pulpit, it's rank heresy. It's rank heresy to assume that if someone is merely baptized, that he or she has certainly a vital communion with Christ. And to proceed upon the, the communion table and to take uh, the sacrament uh, without faith, well, without faith, it's not even possible to please God, much less to have communion with God. It is an oxymoron. It's an impossible, an impossible admission in the church. No Lord's Supper until the communion with God is confirmed, and that by the elders 
or at least some of the best wise men that we have along. Parents, are they don't have a call. The second point here, all whom God effectually calls, he sets to work uh, in his vineyard. So it's, it's uh, whomever he calls here, whenever. Whenever he calls them, uh, he calls them to work at any hour of the day, early, late, under any number of circumstances. All laborers in the vineyard, his church, following Jesus will receive this call, and they have a part in the body, and they're given graces, and they're given gifts, and, they, and these gifts are not, are not silent. They, they work by the grace of God. Christ in us works. And so we will see that all laborers are equipped in this way. All who have vital union with Christ in the Holy Spirit through faith are partakers of the kingdom of heaven, and they will render spiritual service to God in Christ. That is their priestly service. This is how we begin in part to fulfill the second commandment, to worship the Lord as he calls us. That is to say, in spirit and in truth. And not just in the, in, in, in the sanctuary, a day by day, Monday through Friday or Saturday, I don't know, your work schedule. Wherever we go, we offer a reasonable sacrifice ourselves, holy to God, which can only be done sincerely if we have faith and love. And faith and love, my friends, uh, comprehends the whole of the Christian faith. That's, that's our everyday experience, and that is our goal. A pure love and uh, a pure faith. All receive the same gracious reward here. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm skipping way ahead. All laborers are equipped to render spiritual service, and the, and the work is, is not trivial. When you come to church and we pray here for one another, when we pray for the, for the gospel mission and the, the glory of Christ's name to, to the uttermost parts of the world, when we pray that the Lord forgive us our sins, that he grant us uh, his peace, that he grant us unity, that he grant us uh, humility and love for one another, admonishing one another, and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Whenever we do this with one another, this is not trivial work. I don't know why so many people are skipping church these days because all of the, the Levitical priests in the Old Testament were assigned work, and if they didn't, they didn't come, it was, a, it was very shameful. I mean, Zacharias was eager to enter and uh, do his service and the day appointed to him as his priest, and the Lord rewarded him with a, a wonderful vision. You see that in the Gospel of Luke. The work is not trivial. Singing is not trivial. Confessing our sins, not trivial. Now, previously, they were idle. They had no faith. They had nothing with which to please God. They were not working. They were working for themselves, perhaps. That's part of our parable. They were settling idle in the marketplace. No one had really hired them. There was no profitable employment from Christ because they had not been invited into the vineyard. And as I said, no one can just barge into the vineyard. I'd like, hey, listen, I've got nothing to do. Here I am. No, you're not going to be admitted as citizen to Switzerland. You're not going to be admitted as citizen to uh, New Zealand. But all who truly hear Jesus' voice in the gospel turn to God and they bear fruit. And that's the point of it. That's what we see in the parable. The general call, however, goes out to all who hear the gospel. We're back to the parable of uh, uh, Matthew 4 of, of the seed, right? You know, the, the sower goes out, he's sowing seeds, and some of the seed falls on, on stony ground, and some among the thistles, and some 
But some does fall on, on good soil. But the seed goes out uh, liberally. And uh, so the general call goes out to all kinds of people. We've got the scribes hearing the gospel and the Pharisees. And they, for the most part, rejected John the Baptist's warning and invitation. And they, uh, they also uh, became very calloused to Jesus very early in his gospel itineracy. Pious Jews would seem to have an advantage over the masses. They spent hours in front of the scriptures. They, uh, they, they would not miss a feast for, for anything in the world. They were tenacious and most diligent in all that they did. Okay? But that was the general call of, in the visible church, but that does not avail in Christ's vineyards. We have to get this into, uh, into our heads. Saul of Tarsus, an example of one who was first, had all of these characteristics I just mentioned, but he became least, least of the apostles. In fact, the word, uh, his na new name, not Saul, but Paul, that was changed, is, is a sort of a pun. He's in, in the Latin, he's least, meaning least. Who, all who truly hear Jesus' voice in the gospel turn to God and bear fruit. Uh, many, many people in the world hear the general call, but not everyone. Uh, 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 would that everyone heard? But not everyone in human history certainly has heard, and not everyone even human history, even after the Lord Jesus and his apostles has heard or ever will hear a general call. Uh, but that is up to the Lord, and we have a mission to proclaim the gospel to all the world, and we certainly want that, because our, our heart's hope is that many would turn to the Lord. But this call becomes effectual. That means a working call, one that really gains ground and fruit, uh, is to God's elect. Uh, and this is not eisegesis. This is the only way to get over this, this parable without twisting ourselves in knots. These hear the call by God's almighty power. They discern the voice of the shepherd. The sheep hear his voice. And they simply cannot follow anyone else. Others just don't seem to make sense of the voice of this shepherd. In fact, they're put off. And they won't follow Jesus because he has the smell of death about him. Whereas to the elect, Jesus has the aroma of life. That's what's going on here. And although some of these uh, that are called, officially called, some of these might be considered last uh, because they certainly don't have a, a lot of polish to them. They don't have a lot of religious training. They don't have a lot of discipleship. They don't have means. They're not famous in their synagogues. They haven't been sponsors or, uh, uh, or fathers uh, uh, benefiting uh, the, the, the Hebrew society. But uh, in, this, in this rank, we have some very, what we find in the Gospel of Matthew. We see tax collectors. We see prostitutes. Swindlers. And people who, you know, cheat in the market for, uh, for gain. Uh, fornicators. Now these that are last, they are catapulted into position of acceptance with God. They become first. They become sons. They're adopted into the kingdom. But not on their merits, or not because they're bad, but because God forgives their sins, even as heinous as they are. And he, not only does he forgive their sins, but he grants them his righteousness, as he does to you who believe 
your sins are covered, your sins are forgiven, but you are also declared righteous. Not that because you are, but because Christ is and you, have un you are united to him through faith. The Spirit causes a union between you, you and Christ, and therefore uh, he, will, he will certainly take you in. Though in your own nature, you certainly are a sinner. So this is how tax collectors, prostitutes, swindlers, uh, and fornicators become first, and these other people barely scrape by, if at all. And with men, even with men, the general call to enter the kingdom will not avail. With men, it is impossible for, to drive a camel through a needle of an eye. Please don't reach for commentaries that try to explain uh, the practicality of squeezing a, a camel through one of the gates in the city of Jerusalem. That's nonsense. Uh, the fact of the matter is we're seeing and describing, uh, and Jesus describing an impossibility. But with God, all things are possible because he is able to bring light out of darkness, life out of death, and uh, he calls us very effectually. If you have doubts about your salvation, know, my friends, that God saves sinners and that you have providentially been placed in a position of great favor. Not everyone has a, a church where you can have even the, a, a serious reading of a passage of Scripture. This is, this is not something that you can't take for granted. Not every church has an interest in singing the Word of God as we do in the Psalms or the truths contained in the Bible in our regular uh, general hymns. Our prayers are informed by Scripture and love for one another. Not a lot of churches have that. They, a lot of churches is a thing they barely know each other. And so all these things are to your benefit, and you are to believe that God is favoring you and in some way drawing you forward and calling you out, calling you out of the world, calling you out of its pollution, and calling, it out of, calling you out of yourself. So if you have doubts, believe the gospel, wait on God, and be active in serving his people. If you're not, been, if you're not accustomed to attending church, that needs to change. If you are not selflessly serving other believers, this is, not, this is not a sign of Christ in you. This is, this, this is not the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. It's a bad sign. Maybe you're still idle. What, what produce do you hand to God here as a result of his rich grace and his indwelling in you? And you have to ask yourself that question. The third and final point is this, that God rewards his gospel laborers as he deems just. This is the whatever, whatever rewards. He chooses whomever, whenever, and what, uh, and uh, whatever rewards he would like to bestow, this, this he does, because he is God. God rewards his gospel laborers as he deems just. All receive the same gracious reward, which is eternal life, or better than yet, I... I don't even like to speak of this as eternal life. The gift that we receive is Christ, is Christ himself. Okay? And uh, a lot of people, when you say, well, believe and you'll have eternal life, well, who in the world would, love to, would want to live eternally? My knees hurt. I can't imagine living with hurting knees for 10,000 years. That's not, that's not the point. It's not the, it's not the length of life. It's the quality of the life. 
It's the, it's the divine life that is in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the reward that we get. Now, some may think to complain, having worked longer and endured more, dif uh, endured more difficulty. I, I, I would think that, uh, again, hopefully I'm not violating every known rule of, uh, of proper uh, scripture study, but if you don't understand salvation by, by faith alone through grace alone, as many Christians, and I, I do charitably consider there are many Christians that do not understand that we are saved by Christ's merit alone, through faith alone. And these are the ones that are prone to complain. It just doesn't seem just. How is it that some people are called or how, people, how is it that people are favored? And this prostitute received, Rahab receives the same reward as those who endured 430 years of slavery in Egypt? Yeah, that's right. That's our God. All right. God rewards his gospel laborers as he deems just. Christ, uh, kingdom entrance. Uh, their inclusion to work in the vineyard, that was their contract. That's the covenant. You come and you follow me and you work for me, I'll give you a just reward. There was nothing else agreement. Now, what people, and we, what well, we do this too, we, 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 try to, we try to coax God into doing something that he's never agreed to do with us. But God works only through covenant. And he makes explicit to us what he will do and what he will not do. Okay? A lot of people think that, just, you know, the prayer of the uh, righteous man avails much, so if we just keep praying, the people will not die. Obviously, all of, all of history proves that to be uh, false. When people are tenacious in this. You just didn't have enough faith. Keep praying. My friends, that's not, the, that's not the nature. That's not the kindness of God who calls us. And he's calling us back to, to his heaven. And we, we keep misinterpreting. We don't understand his motives. The agreement was inclusion in the, in the, in the kingdom, the vineyard. It's not by works of the law. It's by God's gracious call in Christ. We've got to get this. We have got... <laughs> I know, flesh doesn't like this. It's because we're pride. Our pride blinds us. And our pride will blind us to a lesser theology. Now, we're not going to change God by our prejudices. But it's as if we're embracing a lesser God. All right, we can do better than this. We can, by God's grace, we can understand this parable and all parables. Now, it does not mean that every believer will receive the same rewards from Christ on Judgment Day. This is not what this parable is teaching. But I can say with full confidence that everyone will receive Christ. This is not to say, oh, don't work, because whether you work or not, it's all in vain. You're going to get all the same. What a fool. You see how this Paul labors in Christ? I labored more than all of you. Well, you're an idiot, Paul. Don't you know we're all going to see the same reward? And there's no distinction of sin either? Now, that's, that's a leveling that is unknown to the kingdom of Christ and is not taught in this parable. Don't you believe that? What that'll do is cause you not to, to be very lame. You'll, you'll gimp along in the service. You'll do hardly anything for the kingdom, whereas you ought to be running to, to, to win the prize. That's the exhortation in the gospel. What it does mean, however, is that Christ's rewards are all of grace. Believers do do work. Certainly they do. Uh, but it is Christ in them, both to will and to do the will of God. 
and to do the will of God. So even having done all, my friends, as Luke later points out, which would be an impossible for any for anyone, and every one of us has failed the glory of God in breaking commandments, many, many manifold commandments. So even if we had kept them all, we would still be unprofitable servants. The Lord will not adopt us. <laughs> Think about this. It's not, it's not merely a matter of citizenry in, in Switzerland and a matter of citizenry in New Zealand. I'm talking about being invited into the very living room and the very dining palace of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as a son embraced in the bosom of the Father. There is nothing, even if we had, uh, even if we had complied with the whole law, that would merit adoption into such a family and kingdom. So God will graciously in particular reward us for our kingdom work in Christ. As mentioned before, the disciples, they certainly will have thrones. I'm not going to get into what that means. Gentile believers who persevere in Revelation 2 and verse 26 are promised as much. In other words, there is a degree of rule that we will share, even those who are judging Israel in the 12 thrones. And you can explore that with great wonderment, always thanking God that this is all of grace, that your work in the Lord is not in vain, but he certainly calls you to work. And if you are not working in the vineyard, it may be, my friends, that either you're ignorant of the call, you have not really heard the Lord, or perhaps you don't understand what really pleases the Lord. You have not sensed his pleasure uh, as you yield to him in all things. I'm not talking about setting up for Christmas. I'm glad, I'm glad we're doing this. We're going to set up lots of greenery and all that. It's fun. Lots of color. It's a lot of fun. But whatsoever you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, you do for the glory of God. And in your day-to-day -day work at home, in your school, you do all things for the glory of God as your reasonable service. You're yielding yourself as a sacrifice. And those who do this out of grateful gratitude out of, uh, that, for their inclusion in, in an everlasting country, an everlasting and glorious family, these are the ones that will work hard and with gratitude in their hearts and never complain. Why should we complain? We have not been. We have not received what we deserve. What we deserve. We have received what we do not deserve, and that, my friends, is a very, very Christian mind. Let me conclude this preaching. God freely calls whomsoever He chooses into His kingdom, whenever He chooses to do so, and all whom He calls, He sets to do spiritual work, energizing them by His Holy Spirit, and afterwards, God bestows on them whatever rewards he deems right. And now does it help to understand then how it is that, that children and, and, and coarse fishermen and vile tax collectors avail of the kingdom while decent people, scribes and political figures and leaders, society's best, others often fail it. The Jews had a greater advantage as the, as the covenant community. Are you availing of the advantages 
of hearing the voice of Christ and uh, entering and abiding and persevering in the kingdom through your church attendance. Attendance has been down since COVID. Uh, people have seemed to understand, have seemed to have forgotten that the, that the kingdom is yet not fully upon us here. All right? No. We wait the glory of Christ returning, and then we will see all these things uh, to their fulfillment. Are you working in Christ's vineyard? And are you content with his wages? Don't despair. Don't, don't go away sorrowful like the rich young ruler. If you, uh, if you seem to be lacking in something, you need to understand that it's the Lord who must draw you. And if the Father draws you, then you come to Christ. And if the Father does not draw you, you will not come to Christ. So pray. Ask, ask Christians to pray for you that the Lord would have mercy. And already that sign of humility is, is a good indication. But my friends, if you are shaken by this message, if you know you're guilty, if you know you're not worthy, my friends, then just confess yourself to be an undeserving sinner and look to God's provision for sinners. That Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, that takes away the sin of the world. That is the general call in the gospel, but if you believe it, my friends, that is God's effectual call. That is God's choice of you, saying, come, work in my vineyard. May the Lord bless this message and give you much fruit by it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your teaching. We, are, we confess that all these matters are confusing to us as they were to the Jews. Some things don't seem to be very equitable or just, but we certainly do confess that we crave your mercy, that we deserve nothing, nothing but, Lord, your displeasure. And yet you have crowned us with many advantages in your visible community and I do believe so many of us here present with your spiritual present, your Holy Spirit, and by your regeneration. May your word, Lord, dwell in us. May Christ bear much fruit. May the laborers be active and powerful to please you and produce the fruit that you so much from your vineyard. All this we ask for your glory, Lord although we ask it because it's our pleasure to serve you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have our offering, please.